You're listening to episode 13 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. I have such a special guest today. Her her name is Lana Camille, and she's a college professor, drug information pharmacist, herbalist, and a podcaster. And her absolute passion is to really teach young professionals and students how to take good care of themselves with the right herbs, foods, and self-care techniques. But this can be applied to any of us in any way of, of life, especially if you are undergoing stress, which so many of us are. So some of the biggest things that you're going to take away from this episode are explaining how stress impacts the body and lifestyle changes that you can start making five different types of adaptogens, and we will also get into what those are and how they can be used to help manage stress in your life and support your adrenal health, learning more about incorporating herbs into your everyday life and resiliency and the relationship that has to stress along with how we can build up more of that in our lives as well. Lana actually recently interviewed me on her podcast, Wellness Insiders Network, which was a total honor. It was one of my favorite interviews to date, and she's just a consummate professional who knows her stuff inside and out and just always knows the right questions to ask, which I just love. And and what I love about this episode the most is how many tangible tools Lana's giving us that we can start doing right away. So just as a reminder, all show notes can be found at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to introduce her to all of you. So let's get going. Lana, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so pumped to have you on. Emily, thank you so much for having me. Very excited. And congratulations on the new podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I definitely want to make sure that, that we direct everyone to your podcast, Wellness Insiders Network, because it's, it has so much information. It's, I almost have to re-listen to episodes sometimes because they're just so packed of such great stuff that I just I want to absorb it all. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you. You have, you have a really interesting story and you have an incredible professional background. You, you have sort of such a wide ranging number of things that, that you do. And, and I'd love to know more about how you sort of transitioned from one into the next and how you balance it all too. Uh, that's a great question. Thank you, Emily. So I actually have not really have never really transitioned. So um, when I'm an immigrant, I came from the former Soviet Union. And when I was 16 years old, it was time for me to start thinking about going to college. And so when I did, when I was trying to make a decision, what I want to do with my life, I knew that I wanted to be in the healthcare field. So Um, I decided that pharmacy would be the right career path for me and everything was going really well. I was enjoying my uh, first year of pharmacy school and then something happened Um, at the end of August, right before I went back to my second year of pharmacy program, I found myself sitting in my parents, um, you know, in, in my bedroom, in my parents' home and sobbing uncontrollably. And it took me a little while to figure out what was really going on. 
But a few years uh, down the road, I realized that back at that moment of time, I was very much overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with where I was, where I was heading, how much work I was doing. And I really didn't know how to feel better about it. I was anxious, I was tired, and I was overwhelmed. And so... Um, even though I completed my pharmacy program and I did my residency program and I really enjoyed um, learning about, you know, uh, different medications and how to treat other people, I started realizing that I really never understood how to take very good care of myself. So I know that on your podcast, you talk so much about self-care and you talk about uh, in every conversation that you have, whether on social media or on your podcast, you always uh, discuss the concept of self-care. And so this was something that was very much missing in my life. So um, after I um, started working and I had a full-time job as a uh, college professor and drug information pharmacist, I started looking at my students and I started kind of asking similar types of questions, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. And what I discovered is that I was not alone, that that feeling of being anxious and overwhelmed and tired and stressed, that it wasn't something that uh, I experienced uh, on my own, that so many of my students go through very, very similar experiences. And so I started when I wanted to figure out how to take better care of myself, I started exploring different types of modalities. So complementary and alternative medicines. And so uh, whether it was naturopathic medicine, whether it was chiropractic, acupuncture, eventually I fell in love with herbal medicine. And so that became something that I really uh, followed and that I started learning more about. And so um, I, as I mentioned, I was looking at my students and I was recognizing that they were dealing with something very similar um, as to what uh, was happening to me during my uh, uh, earlier days. And I um, perhaps started thinking that maybe I can introduce them to something that is helpful to me. And so this is how the idea was born, that I would uh, start bringing the content related to herbal medicine to my pharmacy students, and the rest is history. So I've been teaching pharmacy students and healthcare students on how to take better care of themselves with the right herbs, food, and self-care techniques. Oh, that is so cool. And, and I just love that you have adopted this sense of sort of complementary practices, because I, I think that that's so important. And it's something that is often overlooked. So, so many of us will, you know, just go to a doctor or just go to mm -hmm. a chiropractor or just go to whomever in a naturopath, whatever that looks like. And I think that there is, is a lot to be said for taking a look at a few different areas to kind of bring it all together to get the best possible results. Absolutely. For anyone not necessarily familiar with the herbalist field, can you give us some background on what's involved in becoming an herbalist and, and how you went about uh, kind of learning your trade? 
Sure. Um, it's, a, it's a good question. It's not a simple question because um, training to become an herbalist um, is something that is typically very eclectic and very different for each person that becomes an herbalist. So I'll give you my own example. I'll talk to you a little bit about what I've seen other people, uh, what happened to them. So um, when I started learning about herbal medicine, I kind of started with books and really learning and experimenting on my own. So um, that was the first step. My second step was really exploring a little bit more, going to different stores and going to different, you know, whether it was a whole food or a natural product uh, store, something similar to that. Um, and really learning more about different products that they carry and perhaps experimenting with a few of them. And then once I became a little bit more comfortable, I started attending different types of uh, events. So it might be herbal conferences or, you know, um, lectures that local herbalists were given. Um, as time went on, I decided to commit and I started taking longer, more involved courses. So the first one that I took was with an herbalist. She's a uh, godmother of, uh, fairy godmother of uh, herbal medicine here in the United States. Her name is Rosemary Gladstar. And so I did a summer apprenticeship program with her. Then I did another apprenticeship program that was called Farm to Pharmacy with uh, William Siff. And then for the next four years, I took a very extensive online course with a gentleman whose name is David Winston, and he's also a very well-known uh, American herbalist. And so my story is not uh, very different from anybody else who is in this field. Majority of herbalists have studied with multiple different teachers and multiple different educators. There are some people that have taken um, courses or programs through a very sort of conventional um, um, institutions like Bastyr University or Maryland University of Integrative Health. Others have gone through these type of apprenticeship programs. So it's going to be very different for every person. Some people have done um, uh, smaller programs. Um, uh, a company that's called learningherbs.com that uh, their goal is to popularize herbal medicine and understanding of plants does really wonderful courses, smaller courses that uh, typically lay public or lay person can take to really get acquainted with the concept of uh, using different types of uh, herbal medicine. So it's very diverse. Um, but what's interesting about it that the uh, field itself of uh, the field of herbal medicine is incredibly inclusive. And so this is what they're incredibly proud of, that there are all sorts of uh, traditions that come together and that enrich the field and the study and the science of herbal medicine. Oh, that is so cool. It, it's such an amazing collection of, of things. And I actually really appreciate that about what you've gone through to get to where you are, because I, I think that having that diversity is actually really important and, and learning from multiple people. I feel as though more fields could benefit from something like that because everyone has a little bit of, of a different take. Everyone is going to maybe have a, a little bit, uh, slightly different opinion and that can actually be really helpful to learning to sort of think more critically about things too. That's something that I've, I've highlighted uh, with a few people that I've interviewed now, and, and it seems to be a really common theme that keeps coming out. And I, I just, I think that that's really important to sort of get the best possible results, both for you and for the, the people that you work with as well. Absolutely. Absolutely.
and students really are an, an overwhelmed population. I, I couldn't agree with with that statement more. And, and I know that I was certainly uh, there several times as well. What are, can you walk us through kind of some of the techniques that you use to teach your students about how to know the best types of, of sort of herbs for them to use? Sure. So, so it, it's a great question. And so um, I, I don't really have a specific technique. Well, actually, that's not true. Perhaps I do. So one thing that I teach my students is that even though they are future pharmacists, that herbal medicine is not about using capsules and using tablets. You can use capsules um, that contain herbs, but that's not the main way and the most beneficial way to do it. And so the most important thing that I teach my students is that it's important to have a cup or uh, some sort of a mug or a thermos or something like this that would allow you to um, make teas and really drink teas on a daily basis and uh, get into this habit or create this ritual for yourself and experiment with different things. And I'm a big believer of incorporating things into your life and therefore into your diet. So I am much less interested in telling my students to, oh, you have to figure out which capsule works best for your body. Although we can, of course, do that as well. But I think when they start perceiving herbs as part of what they do on everyday basis, that's when they will it, when it will solidify its place in their lives, and this is ultimately what my goal is. So my t main technique is to make them think of herbal medicines and herbs and spices and teas and different things as part of what they do on a daily basis. Wow, that's really interesting that you say that because. It so many of, of the people that, that I talk to, so many of us as a population in general, it, we, we generally want to fix a problem by just reaching for a pill or a supplement. That, that's sort of where a lot of us have, have come to um, just because of, of the pharmaceutical industry. And what I think is so unique about you is that you, you see both sides of it because you were such a big part of, of having your foot in the, the pharmaceutical industry as well as the herbal industry you're sort of having you have such a unique perspective that most people i don't think could offer and that whole idea of of creating a ritual around it that's that's such a form of of self care i'm i'm so appreciative of that because i think that that's really fascinating the way you do that i i don't see many practitioners who who are coming at it from that angle how can herbs be best used in conjunction with a healthy lifestyle since we all know it, it's not just about the herbs, obviously, there's other things that come into play uh, for sort of the maximum benefit and effect. Where, where can people sort of start first to, to begin making some changes? So you absolutely right. As a, and as a nutritionist, you know that without food, without consuming the right types of ingredients, the right types of foods, um, our body is just missing a lot of different things, whether it is vitamins and nutrients and minerals and various other things. And so herbs just historically has been known as part of our food. And so I always try to think of them uh, that way. So whether you are consuming, um, you know, garlic or you are eating turmeric or ginger or you are eating, um, I don't know, you're drinking peppermint tea or whatever it is that you are consuming, that's part of your diet. And so um, figuring out what, so perhaps 
I think one thing that's kind of important to keep in mind is that sometimes we get overwhelmed. And so simplifying things and starting small and starting slow is probably a good thing to do, a good way to go. So perhaps if you go to a supermarket and the next time you are uh, looking at different herbs and spices, picking up some mint and maybe making a cup of mint tea or something similar to that. So sort of like starting very with something that's very, very simple and very, very easy. I think that that's one of the best ways to go. Also exper experimenting things with uh, perhaps ingredients that you might not not be familiar with. We live in a day and age where there are so many recipes and there are so many things that you can find on the internet. And so um, I come from Eastern Europe where there are not a lot of different spices that people are comfortably using on a, a consistent basis. And so when I came to the United States and I started trying to expand my horizons and my palate and starting to drink ginger tea and starting to consume maybe a little bit of cayenne pepper in different dishes and different, uh, different other spices, I started realizing that, oh, um, you know, my palate is expanding. And also I am introducing a lot of... Um, beneficial ingredients and beneficial constituents into my life and into my body. Does that make sense? It makes total sense, actually. And, and that sort of leads me into my next question, which is, what are some of the ways that, that you fit self-care and, and things like that into your busy schedule? Because you have multiple, you wear multiple hats, you have multiple job titles. How do you make that work for your life? Of course. So I'm a huge believer of um, simplifying things. And so I think that sometimes the message that we are getting is that self-care is incredibly important and you should be drinking that smoothie and you should be um, doing yoga and you should be doing Tai Chi and you should be meditating and you should be, I don't know, doing whatever else that you should be doing. But in reality, we're busy. And so I think that starting with things that make sense for you is probably the best thing that I can think of. And so what works for me typically is walking after I leave my, um, my office and going home. And uh, so I walk home. Sometimes not all the way, sometimes it will be half the way, but um, I love walking and I love listening to my podcasts. So I love listening to my audiobooks. And so it helps me to unwind and it helps me to relax and helps me to leave all the stress of the day in my office and kind of transition into my evening. Um, other things is figuring out what works for you in terms of food and perhaps figuring out that, oh, how can I take care of my body with better snacks maybe. And so next time I'm going shopping, maybe I will look at something that's a little bit more healthier or a little bit better for me. So taking smaller steps and kind of figuring out how to fit these things into your day. Um, I know that there is a lot of discussion of meditation and I, I think that it is wonderful. I have not been able to consistently meditate on, you know, for 20 minutes or whatever it is on a daily basis. Sometimes I have stretches when I do it for months and other times I cannot get back into it. But I think it's okay. I think it's okay to figure out that, oh, instead of having a 20-day meditation, 
perhaps I can find an activity like uh, brushing my teeth or picking up my spoon and before I start eating. And before you do this, take a couple of deep breaths. So you count um, a count of four in, you take a, you know, um, you pause for a count of two, you take, a, you exhale for a count of four, something like this. And so if you're tying it to something that you are doing already, it becomes a much more seamless part of your life. Uh, yeah, that, that, I couldn't agree with that more either because it's, there is, especially in the age of social media, there are so many things that we're seeing, uh, you know, the, the perfect picture and, and hearing about these incredible, amazing morning routines that people have and, and things like that. Right. And a lot of it is, uh, you'll see things like, like meditation or yoga or, or stuff like that come up. And that can be the best possible solution for some people. But for Absolutely. others, it's not going to work. And then there can be almost a sense of guilt or not measuring up somehow. And right. I think that that's, that's definitely what we need to focus on the most is figuring out various forms of self-care and that self-care can take a really different appearance for each right. person. It's absolutely. Yeah. I've been talking to um, a girlfriend of mine does a, a lot of sort of specialty work in um, self-care as well. And, and she's really trying to get across the message that self-care can be as simple as things like making a doctor's appointment. Mm. Stuff like that is, is pretty basic level stuff that we don't really think twice about, but that is a form of self-care. So changing the definition of self-care, I think is something that, that we need to look at more closely. I, I completely agree with you. And I think it's also interesting how different self-care, what it is for, for different people that are in the field. And so for one person, it might be having a cup of tea with their kids or playing or going for a walk or enjoying the movie that they like. So, you know, there are so many different ways in which we can help our body to relax, to unwind and to, to feel better. Yeah, for sure. And and one thing that I hear from people a lot is that they don't have time to eat healthy. And uh -huh. I tend to call bullshit on that because <laughs> okay. I think that eating healthy doesn't have to take as much time as, as we think it does, that we can simplify like what you're talking about. So when, when we say eat healthy, we're not talking about you know, slaving away in the kitchen for two hours to create a gourmet meal. It doesn't have to look like that. It can be something as simple as picking up, I mean, for me, an easy go-to that I use is something like picking up a, a rotisserie chicken and throwing it together with some uh, pre-washed greens, chopping up a few veggies and, and I have poof, I have a salad in under 10 minutes. So Absolutely. I think that we take it too far. What, what do you, would you have like particular go-to meals or something like that, that uh, are, are quick and, and easy for you to have on the go? Sure. So one of the simplest things that I would have is like an avocado sandwich or something like this. And it can be salt and pepper on the top, or it could be a little bit of drizzled honey or something along those lines. And it keeps me full in the morning. And this is something that I really like and enjoy. I would do a smoothie from time to time, um, maybe eggs, but there are, there are different things that I would try. But, you know, I always come back to something as simple as that half of avocado that is like just sitting on the top of my toast. And once again, simplicity makes it so much more attractive uh, to me if I'm rushing in the morning or something along those lines. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's that or typically the other options end up being, you know, then we either don't eat at all and then we have all kinds of cravings and stuff later, or you will then, uh, you know, somebody will, will end up just reaching for 
an unhealthier option if healthy food seems too too far out of reach and that can that can seem difficult so that's that's definitely a tricky one i'm going right. to switch gears here a little bit because you have mentioned resiliency a lot in in your teachings that i've noticed and what does what does resiliency sort of mean to you and how can we go about building greater resiliency in our own lives so the concept of resilience um started become a lot more prominent for me um, when I started looking at my students a little bit more carefully. We have um, millennials, a lot of them right now. And so this is a absolutely fascinating generation. And I think that uh, millennials have so much to offer to us. And the reason why I think they are fascinating is because when you compare them to, let's say, baby boomers or Generation X or something like this, the baby boomers and Generation X were driven by different interests and by different desires. And millennials are significantly more interested in contributing to make this world a better place. And that's why I respect and admire them so much. But as every generation, millennials also have a, a weaker side or, you know, um, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And so one of the weaknesses that we are seeing is that um, there is a lot more mental health issues. There is a lot more trouble being resilient. And so resilience to me means that you're able to make mistakes. We all do. That's normal part of living. That's nor normal part of learning. But you make that mistake, you pick up, you get up and you move on and you try again and you try something different or something new. And so I, I find that some of my students are having, are having difficulty with that, having difficulty with starting over or starting again or being a little bit more stubborn, if you will, or persistent. My grandmother always told me that stubborn not, is not a good thing, but persistence is. And I think that sometimes it's okay to be stubborn if you are working towards something. If, if it's important to you. And so, so when I started thinking about resilience, I was trying to figure out how do we make people a little bit more resilient and are there certain self-care strategies that can help them to recognize that, oh, I'm making a mistake here, but like I'm taking care of myself in every other way. So I will be okay. I can just try it again. Does it make sense? Yes, absolutely. I, I think this is fascinating. Why is it that you I, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Why do you think it is that uh, sort of millennial generation has a, a tendency overall um, to have higher levels of mental health issues? Because, I mean, we've seen that proven. That That's just right. factual, that there are higher numbers of mental health issues in the younger population. I do not have a good answer for you, um, the reasons for it. But I think that it's partial, like, you know, part of the reason might be that there are different events that has taken place during their formative years. So whether it was 9-11 or whether it was something else where things were a lot less stable or appeared to be a lot less stable for them, that could be one of the explanations. There might be many other ones, but the world possibly uh, is appearing a lot scarier to someone who is in their formative years. And maybe that is one of the reasons. Mm, I love that answer. I think that's really fascinating. And, and I mean, I don't think that there is um, a, a clear answer yet. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that's probably going to be 
studied more hopefully over, over the coming years. But I think that that, uh, that's definitely a, a great place to start because that, that certainly feels to me like it, it could be a, a very good reason as to why we're seeing some of these issues among uh, the younger generation. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of anxiety and, and stuff too. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. And, and a lot of people out there are really struggling. So anything that any of us can, can do um, that are sort of in the, the um, health type of field to right. help people find really simple ways to make their lives better is, uh, is always a win as far as I'm concerned. Right. What are some of your, since we've been talking about stress so much too, what are some of your favorite herbal remedies for stress? So there are many different ways to look at stress. So you probably have heard about the concept of adaptogens. And so these are typically the herbs that are used for the stress of daily living. And that's kind of the definition for them. And people perhaps have heard of ginseng or something similar to that, or rhodiola, or maybe some other ones. There are eight that are well-researched, but there are other plants that have um, different uh, active ingredients and different actions that are supportive of... for the body. Um, but there are, uh, it's important uh, not to forget of other plants that could be useful and not just other plants, but also other activities that could be useful and could be helpful. So one of them is sleeping. And so this is something that I know that you have discussed uh, previously with your audience. And this is something that has been coming up so frequently and we are often underestimating the benefits of sleeping. What really fascinates me is if we were able to find a pill that did as many things as good night sleep does, we probably would patent it and we would probably be selling it on every, you know, on every corner. But in reality, we live in a world where there are a lot of destructions. And so, um, we're busy, we're doing multiple things. Uh, Sometimes we are watching things like uh, binge watching something on Netflix or whatever else that is going on in our lives. And so sleep suffers. And in reality, without good night's sleep, this is your absolute foundation because without it, you are not as sharp. You're not as focused. Your immune system suffers. You can get, uh, you can gain weight. There are just so many different things that sleep is doing. Um, if you look at, um, uh, uh, each of us have, um, traveled long distance or, you know, where we were switching the time zones or something similar to that. When you arrive the next day or when you arrive to your destination, your mind is a little foggier. And it's actually interesting that the researchers were able to describe or to explain what happens to us. So a few years back, um, there was research that was published showing that when we sleep, some of the waste products that accumulate in our brain during the waking hours, they're actually being removed. And so if we uh, do not sleep and do not recharge and do not uh, recover, these waste products are continuing uh, to circulate in our brain. And so this is what keeps us unfocused and this is what prevents us from um, having the best day that we possibly can. So if you're traveling across uh, time zones, it's one thing, but if you consistently get four or five hours of sleep, and unfortunately, many of my students do, and so the sleep conversation is the first one that we usually have. Um, This is something that can 
uh, chronically uh, prevent you from being successful and also chronically prevent you from uh, dealing with your stress. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you mentioned that too, about uh, how many of your students get too little sleep, because I know that I was certainly in that boat as well. And I almost wonder if, if that is a potential factor as well as to some of the mental health issues that uh, mm-hmm. the younger generation is experiencing, because I don't think that we have ever lived in a time where all people, not just young people, but all people in, in general are getting less sleep probably than any other time in history overall on, on an average. So Absolutely. it's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so interesting to, to see some of those potential connections that uh, we can really start to maybe tie and uh, tie to problems like that. And uh, hopefully see more research on that in the future, because sleep is just so important. And unfortunately, it's usually the first thing to go when, when we get busy, it, <laughs> what, right. what else do we cut but sleep? And that's, that's always the, the first thing to go, unfortunately. Can you tell us more about uh, some adaptogens and what they do and sort of how they can be used to support the body with, with some examples as well that you would recommend? Absolutely. And so one of the other things that I was going to mention is that in addition to adaptogens, there are other herbs that you can also try to help you to, to get that better sleep. And so some of them, they're called nervines. So they are simple plants, something like chamomile or perhaps lavender or various other ones like skullcap and hops and other, other plants. So the idea is that you are feeding your brain um, herbs and plants that are really um, good nutrition for your, for your nervous system. And so uh, going back to the adaptogen, so there are a couple that I absolutely love. So one of them is called Tulsi or holy basil. And so this is a plant that is a mint family uh, member. So uh, Tulsi is a plant that is uh, native to India. And um, it's, uh, uh, it, it's sort of like a basil, but slightly different. It's, um, uh, it grows um, as a bush in India or it grows, um, um, you know, um, as, a, as a mint uh, family, uh, as a mint plant here in the United States or in Canada, perhaps. I usually see it here in the, uh, in where I live and I am in Boston. So um, the plant that um, I'm talking about is often used for mental fog, for impaired memory. It is a mild adaptogen. So it's not something that is a, um, a typically considered and studied as an adaptogen, but uh, it has mild activity um, in in that direction. It's also used for your immune system. So um, I absolutely love it because it has a very nice and pleasant aroma. You can, you know, there are companies that make it by adding um, rose flavor and jasmine and chamomile and various other plants. So there is one company that is called Organic India. And so I really love their product. And so this is something that I typically recommend for my students because every single one of them is interested in figuring out how to sharpen your memory and how to think better and how to, to have a, lo- a lot more clarity. And so from that perspective, I think that it's a lovely plant. Once again, it's a mint. So Typically, it's uh, pretty safe. It, it should be avoided in uh, some patients, but uh, typically it's uh, uh, pretty safe in general population. 
Um, so some of the other plants that um, you might be interested or your audience might be interested in is maybe something like reishi. And reishi is a mushroom, and I'm a huge uh, lover of uh, mushrooms. And I know that often mushrooms is something that people uh, take um, sort of uh, with a, a caution. Um, there are a number of different medicinal mushrooms that can be consumed. And so um, this particular one, so many of them can be eaten um, uh, as meals or uh, used uh, for their culinary uh, purpose. So things like uh, shiitake or maitake mushrooms or something like that. Rishi mushroom is a little bit different. It, it looks, so it's very hard. And so in order uh, for you to really get to its active um, ingredients, you, re you really need to boil it and you really need to do things to extract those active ingredients. But the mushroom itself is really fascinating. So it was considered to be mushroom of longevity. And so it comes from China. And so Chinese emperor would not allow anyone but his family to consume this particular type of mushroom. So there is quite a bit of history there, but it's also something that is wonderful for your immune system. Um, it does have mild adaptogenic activity. It's good for cardiovascular systems like blood pressure and cholesterol and triglycerides and things of that type. It's also used for um, as anti-inflammatory, so has a lot of good health-promoting potential. So a um, few other ones that, um, one other plan that I wanted to mention to you is oats. And I suspect that um, a lot of your uh, listeners are familiar with oats and, you know, rolled oats that we use for oatmeal or something similar to that. But the plant oats can be used at different stages. And so one particular stage of oats when it is, kind of like in a premature state. So the seed is in a, it's considered to be milky oats. So you press on the seed and this white latex fluid that comes out. This is a very interesting um, traditional remedy that has been used for brain, for your nervous system. And so it has been used sort of like, as I mentioned, as a food for your brain. And so you have to uh, find milky oats from the right companies because typically it's uh, mixed into tincture, which is an alcoholic preparation of the milky oats. But when it is given over long periods of time, it helps people to sort of to rejuvenate their nervous system. And so I am a big believer of incorporating milky oats on a long-term basis for someone that might be struggling and might need a little bit more support. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, and, and uh, I mean, that's, that's another big part to consider is how a lot of these things are, are made and produced. So I'm mm -hmm. happy that you mentioned that too about uh, tinctures being made um, kind of with an, an alcohol type production because mm -hmm. depending on the form that it's coming to you in, it's gone through stages of manufacturing and different companies will have different standards around that too and, and different styles of doing it and, and all of that can really play a role in how effective and how maybe good for you the, the final product is for sure. So I'm happy that you highlighted that as well. 
I completely agree with you that um, looking at companies and really exploring how reputable they are and what their manufacturing practices are is incredibly important because we kind of, we live in the world where things are not really black and white and there is quite a bit of gray uh, out there. And so um, learning from people that understand these um, manufacturing um, uh, practices and really understanding what are some of the better companies and how they do their things um, is incredibly important. So thank you. Thank you for bringing this up. Absolutely. And, and you had a couple more, I think, that you wanted to mention as well. Is that right? Right. So, so chamomile, I mentioned a little bit earlier, and chamomile is a plant that is... Um, just so familiar to most of us because at some point or another, you probably have heard about Peter Rabbit and, you know, his mommy giving him chamomile tea after he was bullied on the playground. And so there is so much truth about that, that chamomile is this amazing plant. It's a nervine that, a, that is used for our nervous system, but it's also really great for your digestion. And so for someone that might be struggling with anxiety, or you know any any type of other similar uh, symptoms, this is a first thing that uh, should be recommended. Having some chamomile tea with your dinner and kind of like exploring this and maybe incorporating it a lot more into your everyday life. And so um, chamomile is extremely safe. It's given to uh, uh, children. It's given to um, pediatric population uh, very frequently. The only time when chamomile should be used with caution, if someone has allergy to uh, ragweed family, so you have to be cautious about that. But someone, you know, in addition to all the nervous system and all the, you know, nerving properties, it's really pleasant tasting. It's really lovely. It, it tastes like, you know, um, some people say pineapples or apples or, you know, um, it's, it's just lovely. Um, it's also wonderful for um, inflammatory conditions. So if someone is suffering with um, irritable bowel syndrome or something similar or IBS or IBD, um, it's one of the plants that I always go to because it's wonderful for digestion and it's also very, very soothing. So this is one of my queen herbs. And then nettles is another one of those things that uh, I suspect that most herbalists will tell you that this is one of their favorites. And so stinging nettles is another member of a mint family. And so what's, what's really awesome about it is that it's one of those plants that is filled with minerals and vitamins. And so when I think about taking vitamins and minerals, I often think that nettles would be a better way to go sometimes just to, to begin because all the minerals and all the vitamins that you find there, you might not find the same variety uh, as you will find in your capsule or tablet of multivitamin preparation, but you will find them in a significantly um, more bioavailable form. And that's what I really, truly love about it. Um, it's just, when you, when you drink it, when you taste it, it tastes so green. It tastes so... Um, so lovely from that perspective. Um, we always are reminded to take to eat our greens, but this is just one case where you, when you're drinking tea, you're knowing that you are um, 
taking care of your body, that you're providing uh, yourself, that you, you are gifting yourself with something really lovely and really wonderful. And if you're not into green flavors, you can certainly add other things. Like I know that hibiscus or rose hips or something that will give you a little bit of that acidity will really brighten it up. You can add cinnamon, you can add various other things to the tea, but I absolutely love nettles. And I think that it's a wonderful plant for someone that is struggling. I had a guest on my podcast that was a huge lover of nettles. And so one thing that she said is that any student that is uh, approaching the final exam weeks should get themselves or should start drinking nettle tea uh, to support their body, to support their system, to just, you know, you, you're providing yourself with lots of uh, wonderful nutrition. And I actually love the flavor of, of nettle tea. I actually find it somewhat mild, but then I drink a lot of weird green things no, okay. that okay. not everybody would necessarily love. So I don't always trust, uh, trust my opinion on, on if something is mild or not, because then I'll give it to somebody who doesn't usually drink the types of weird concoctions that I do. And then they think that it tastes weird, but I, I think that it actually tastes really nice. And, uh, it's, I, I love the flavor. It's a very full bodied flavor. And uh, I really, really enjoy that one. Nettles is, is definitely one of my favorites for sure out of, uh, out of that list. Wonderful. And now you have also mentioned, um, you, you mentioned that you have, a, you suggest to, to some of your students that they can to like make their own tea. Now, are all of these things sort of readily available? I know something like like mushrooms in particular, obviously, are, are something to be especially careful with. It's not like you're just going to go pick yourself a mushroom and then make sure that it's the right kind or something of like course. that. Of <laughs> course, of course, of course. So, so one of the things that I typically do at the start of semester um, when I offer uh, a whole class on herbal medicine is I would actually place an order for my students and some of the companies that I use. So one of the specific one that I uh, use most of the times is called Mountain Rose Herbs. And so they are in Oregon. And uh, there are a lot of other companies that are out there. Um, but I like Mountain Rose Herbs. And so what I typically do is I get a an order of herbs for them to experiment with. And I think that that's typically a good way to go. So for someone who's just starting, you can go to a place like we have a few local places that will carry bulk herbs. And I am a believer that uh, going that route is probably going to be better. There are a few companies that actually make tea uh, blends and like, you know, packaged tea and you can, you can try that as well. And there are some good ones, um, but it's always fun to figure out how you can mix your own. And so that's because this is something that I teach my students. This is what we typically do. So I place a, a large order and, you know, we come up with uh, like this one ounce packages of like 15 or 20 different herbs and they go home after I don't know, the first week or first couple of weeks of classes. And so they start experimenting. Oh, that's very cool. I mean, for anyone who, who maybe isn't necessarily going to have uh, the time or, or want to go to the effort of sourcing that out, what are, what are some of the particular companies that you might suggest that um, make the pre-made versions that they could uh, maybe order a little bit more easily? 
Sure. So something, if you're thinking about tea, uh, traditional medicinals is one that I really like a lot. I, I mentioned love them. <laughs> I mentioned Organic India before, Yogi Tea. So there are a few companies that you can find that make really high quality products. And it's important because they're sourcing products from really reputable growers and farmers. And so they really take extra steps to ensure that their uh, ingredients are really very high quality. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Traditional medicinals in, in particular is one of my favorites. And I also love that they, they just do like cute little things. Like, um, in recent years, they've started putting a, on, on every tea bag, there's a little piece of paper with a, a little quote on it that I just yes. love. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's always uh, something that can just really brighten up a, a day if, if you're looking Absolutely. for something along those lines. So, and, oh, sorry, go and, ahead. And, and there are so many different types that they make. So they make different blends. And so whether you're getting a sore throat or you need a good night's sleep or you want something that is going to help you to promote studying and thinking and focus. So there are different types of uh, products that they do um, have. And a lot of supermarkets will carry them, but you can also go on their website and you can explore a lot more and a lot of different other combinations that they would carry. Yeah. And I, that's always really nice to have that option that if, you know, you can feel yourself coming down with, with something or you're struggling with a particular issue to have that pre-made blend is, is just really nice to be able to just go to the grocery store and pick that up in a rush if, uh, if you need absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So Lana, tell us where people can find you. So I am at lanacamille.com and it's C-A-M-I-E-L. Um, lanacamille.com. And um, you can find my podcast there. You can also find um, my blog there and uh, ways to connect with me. Love it. That's awesome. And one final question that I ask all of my guests, if you could offer one piece of advice on how to grow into the best version of yourself, uh, what would it be? It's a great question. Um, you know, I think I'm going to steal it from someone that I interviewed recently uh, who said that health is not a goal, but it's a journey. And so really understanding that you are on that journey and that sometimes you will be off center, but that you can always bring yourself back to that center, to the, the place of balance. That, um, that's the important part. Oh, I couldn't agree more. That is such a great way to wrap up because that's just so true. And there are so many things that, that we can do to improve our health, but really it's not, it's not a destination. It's, it's, you, we never reach a point where we're like, okay, we're good. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's always going to be evolving for sure. Uh, Lana, thank you so much for being on. I'm so grateful to, to uh, have you have donated your time and I will make sure to link where everyone can find you and all of this amazing information that you've given us in the show notes. So I will make sure that that is all in there. And uh, just thank you again. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much. You are wonderful. And I really appreciate and admire what you're doing. So best wishes with the new podcast. Very, very excited. Oh, for you. Thank you so much, Lana. <laughs> And there you have it. I hope that you enjoyed this as much as I did. There was so much information. Lana just brought a ton of information to the podcast and all of the show notes are located over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. While you're here, if you could also leave a review on iTunes, it means so much. I read everyone and it really makes a huge difference to get the word of the podcast out there so that we can share all of this amazing information with as many people as we can reach. Thanks so much. See you next week.
Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. Can you do me one favor though? Can you take a screenshot of this and tag me on social media? I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a review on iTunes, that would make a huge difference. It's really important to have those, those reviews so that we can get the word out there about the podcast, get more amazing guests on and get as much information out there as we possibly can together. Looking forward to growing with you.